0: anything like that. So if you head over to Airbnb and search Elk Cross and Getaway in the PA Wilds, you'll find my listing there and you can rent out my house. You send us a message, and inquiry that you're interested in it and mention that you heard it on the podcast here, then we'll get you 10% off of your first day. Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? You're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Martonic. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Spartan Forge. On today's episode, it's going to be a little bit different one. It's a solo episode. It's just me going through recapping my basically my rut hunts. But I'm going to start back in October talking through Pennsylvania and... I hadn't told the story yet on the podcast about my Pennsylvania buck that that I shot on November 4th. So talking about the whole time leading up to it, some of the challenges that we experienced during this year's rut and going through all of that. And then also kind of skipping Alberta since covered that last week and going into West Virginia and the four days that I got to spend down there hunting during the rut kind of going through the the challenges that I faced there, some of the, the good things, some of the bad things, and just going through everything. So I want to explain it uh, from how I saw it, some of those challenges I had. Hopefully that I can help you uh, during those those things. But uh, gun season's kicked off here in Pennsylvania, so I hope everyone that's been out has had uh, a safe and successful hunt so far. Um it uh, I've not been out yet. I don't. I don't. I mean, I plan on trying to get out a little bit this week, but mostly scouting. Uh, I have Lee Ellis and Drew from Seek One are coming in to hunt with me here uh at the beginning of next week. So they're going to come in for four days and kind of get to teach them a little bit of the big woods hunting and and see if we can get those guys on a couple of bucks so that'll be fun i'm, I'm excited to get those guys out in the woods and a little bit different uh train than they're used to and i'm sure we'll be doing a little bit of hunting probably with johnny stewart i think bill thompson from spartan forge might join us it's gonna be a fun deer camp experience so i'm really looking forward to that um But I want to start off with the the Mountain Buck Monday story of the week. And I apologize. So last week, I messed up. I read a story that I had already read back in the summer. And I knew it sounded really familiar. And I went to post the photos and realized that I had already posted them. So I didn't repost them again. But I read the story twice now. So I apologize for that. It was a great story uh, from Rocky Smith out of Alabama. But this week we got a new fresh one from Nicholas Kutzka. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that right, Nicholas, uh, from Pennsylvania. And... This is a short and sweet story, but a really cool one that I think embodies this time of year with the deer camp tradition. So Nicholas said during the 2021 Pennsylvania gun season, four out of seven in our group harvested a buck the first day of rifle season with the camp as a whole, observing 150 plus deer, 11 of which had antlers. Have been scouting the area of state forest with similar methods that you practice and talk about through the podcast going on my third year of running cameras on beat up licking branches and heavy cover transitions hoping to uh to be able to get my first archery buck this coming year which this archery season has passed already i'm gonna have to follow up with nicholas to see how he did and hopefully that he he was able to be successful but some great bucks you can see those over east meets west hunt on instagram or east meets west outdoors on facebook uh, really excited to, to be able to share that love sharing the mountain Buck Monday stories I have a pile of them that come in have come in recently so if I haven't responded to them yet I have them and I will uh, so I apologize for that but uh, send them in the best place to do it is to my email which is just bo B E A U at eastmes west huntcom so much easier for me to categorize them sometimes through Instagram they get lost Facebook there's go wild. There's a million different places and messaging platforms out there. It's hard to keep track of all of it. Email is the, the most consistent way where I can organize them in a folder and then be able to go through them in the order that they came in. So I appreciate everyone sharing them. Um, there's as just as a recap, the format for that is just a paragraph or so, um, of the story of the hunt and some photos you would like to share. I love sharing these, these stories. It doesn't matter if it's public or private, just big woods, mountain bucks are the stories that we want to share. So, uh, looking forward to, to sharing some more as we, as we move forward here. So, um, I'm going to be going back and forth and kind of looking at some notes that I have here because as I'm I'm doing a solo episode, it's easy for me to start rambling and forget uh, specific things. But um, I want to start off with recapping Pennsylvania. And so I came into Pennsylvania season a little bit late. I had been traveling, doing some other hunts and hadn't, I didn't get back to Pennsylvania until about October the 12th. So I was you know, a couple weeks into the season basically. And I, I felt way behind. I was gone all of September hunting elk and, and then hunted whitetail in some different places. And just, I felt behind on my cameras, my scouting. And normally I like to be very prepared going into this time of year. And I, I just, I wasn't, I had cameras out, but, uh, I, I just wasn't in a great place with it. So I felt a little bit of pressure to to move on and not pressure to, to get on a deer right away or anything, but just like pressure on myself to, to figure out what's going on in the woods. And, and, uh, the middle of October was a struggle. I, I I felt like I was chasing my tail, trying to find hot sign and I just wasn't finding it. So I didn't, I didn't sit in a tree, uh, more than once or twice until the last few days of October, I was just out scouting and still hunting and covering ground and trying to find, Uh, bucks to hunt but there's been a buck that that i've been hunting for three years now Uh, a buck that i've i've kind of talked about him a little bit on this podcast and i uh but i I don't talk a lot about the specific deer that i'm hunting because there's people that listen to this that may run into me or see where i'm at I, i just don't like to give a lot of detail on that i don't share photos of the deer i'm hunting until after they're dead um, but anyways, and I'll share more about this buck at the end of this podcast. Cause there's, there's something really interesting, uh, about that deer, um, that just happened in the last few days, but nonetheless, I was hunting this specific deer, but I'm also not all in on this deer. Like, I'm I'm checking different areas. Uh, I'm, I have, you know really four or five core areas and and actually I was kind of getting a little bit spread thin again this year. I've talked about it on the podcast before where I'll go in these spurts of where I'll have I'll start getting more areas that I want to hunt and I start spreading myself too thin and I know that I do this and I know that it's a problem but I I can't help it. I love checking out different areas and I love trying to find deer in these different spots. Well, I ended up with like five core areas, which I really like to have three and then have a couple of backups, but I was running, you know, heavy cameras and all these five areas and I was jumping around like crazy trying to, trying to find hot sign. And, and I wasn't finding it. And, and I started kind of hunting some of these different places here and there. And, and even in the end of October when they were, you know, during like, you know, the typical quote unquote scrape week, I, I wasn't finding what I, what I would consider something that I wanted to sit over for multiple days and I was finding okay sign and there was deer there it just wasn't what I was looking for. Um, so I just kept bouncing around and, and, uh, I've, uh, towards the end of October, I started getting into some, some good sign and some stuff worth hunting and even into the beginning of November, and but during that that time frame there i i started seeing some running action i saw um some chasing and a little bit of seeking not much but we were also dealt with some really warm temperatures during that time frame some unseasonably warm temperatures and i i know from getting messages from a lot of you that you were struggling with that as well and it's hard and and the, the one thing that I'll say is it's really easy for all of us to kind of use that as a crutch or an excuse and be like, ah, this sucks, you know. But I, I will say, like, if, if I were taking off a week of work and I had the ability to change that then yeah, I would, I would not hunt that warm weather if I had the choice to wait a week and hunt the colder weather. Um, but it's, it's the rut and they're, and they're going to move. And, and I knew I just had to get in those locations and I didn't want to start off by like over, over, um, uh, I guess, uh, how do I want to put this? Like basically going too hard on like, okay, I need to jump to crick bottoms and I need to jump to, uh, you know, north facing slopes and shaded areas because they're going to go there because the heat, because I, I didn't think, you know, 70 degrees and 72 degrees that's warm, but it's not so hot that they can't, you know, be on the tops or, or be in some of these clear cuts. I mean, there's still water in these places and, and, and cover. And, and I didn't want to, I, yeah, I guess over adjust to it. And, and so I started hunting some of my, you know, historical good rut funnels, uh, hunting that one specific deer. So I ended up going back to that and I was like, all right, during the rut here, I have historical knowledge. This spot that I was hunting was a side hill. So I did have a creek bottom down like a, like kind of a stream that came up the side of the valley and I'm making hand movements on the, the video. So you'd be able to see it a little bit better, but it was hemlock covered. So it was it was shaded and going back two years ago when we had some warm weather during the rut, I had a lot of action on my cameras on this side hill in, in some of this Cover, and and actually even going back to October 30th, I I ran into this big deer that I was hunting. Uh, had him at 15 yards on the ground and ended up not getting a shot. What he was chasing a doe, and and other historical knowledge showed that does in this spot came into heat at that time. There was always running activity around Halloween, so I was hunting there, but I, I something just didn't feel right. I was in the tree and and I wasn't getting. I, I wasn't seeing any deer. I was seeing fishers. i was seeing Turkey. I actually saw a total of four fishers. I think, uh, well, I know that, that there was only two different ones. There was, uh, they were the same ones that were coming through a couple of times, but, uh, I wasn't seeing any deer at all. So the one day about one o'clock, I decided to get out and check some of my cameras that I had, and I hadn't had a single deer picture in October, which is, crazy like i'm not i wasn't worried about there being pictures of bucks because i knew they were going to come at any moment based on the historical data but there was no does and that's a problem uh i wasn't bumping any does i wasn't seeing any does uh there had been some logging uh operations that had changed some things up in there and the, also some increased hunting pressure in the surrounding spots nothing on the side hill where i was at but i i something changed. And I really, to this point, I still don't have it nailed down what changed. But it kind of it was to me, it was like, I I can't, I can't sit here and wait for something to happen based off of this knowledge, even though I have the historical data. So that's where like, you have this uh, thing in your head. It's like, okay, do I you know, go off this historical knowledge or do I go off of what is, you know, right here in front of me. And, and at that point I had to make a change. So I, but I, I knew the deer had to be in the area. And so I shifted some cameras around and kind of moved a little bit, but I didn't want to move the cameras completely. Cause that information's really good for me next year, more so than even this year. So I was just kind of, still hunting and, and, and moving and, and I ended up moving down the ridge a little ways and finding a spot where I did find some hot scrapes and a really good funnel that I hadn't hunted before, but there was a clear cut on the top, a newer cut about a mm, a, a year and a half to two years old and with a lot of tops down. So it's not easy for them to walk through and then a side hill with hemlocks and then a creek bottom that was coming up. So going back to that spot and there were some trails that just funneled down through some blowdowns that made them come through this section. I'm like, this is really good. And I still love that spot to the, you know, the state, but I sat there for three days and I never saw a single deer. Never saw a single deer out of that. And, uh, well, I guess it was day two and a half, which I was coming down to my last day to, to be able to hunt and, It was my last day to hunt in Pennsylvania before I was going to be leaving for Alberta the next day. So I was like, okay, it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, I actually called my dad from the tree stand. He was, he was moving spots and we were just, just, I was kind of whispering, talking to him obviously, but I was like, you know, I just don't feel good about this. And and I know that it's hard to get past that rut brain at that time where you, you almost, almost Always don't feel confident about your spots when you go days without seeing deer, and I know that doesn't—that's not always a good indication on it. But for me, I was like, I think this spot is just not—not not what it was. I need to—I need to adjust. So I ended up making a decision to pull my saddle down and move in uh, mid midday, and with only really you know four hours to be able to hunt until the end of my Pennsylvania archery season. Cause I was going to be leaving and I got my truck and I drove and I went to a spot that, that I hadn't even personally, I hadn't been into this year at all. I've scouted it in the spring and stuff, but I hadn't been in there, uh, and, and hunted it at all or been in there during the hunting season. But it's for 15 years this spot has been good with a giant scrape in a creek bottom so it's cooler down there you know 73 degrees 72 degrees something like that and it had a it was kind of it was i wouldn't say it was a traditional thermal hub where you got like a lot of points that run down but it was kind of more of like a a bowl where you have some valleys that are running down into this bottom there's an opening there right next to the creek with a big hemlock, with a giant, you know, car hood size scrape there. And it's there every single year. And actually the one tree next to it used to be the main scrape 10 years ago. And that died and half fell over and they moved to the next tree and, and made it there. So this spot is a place that you can hunt all year, and not see a single deer. But during that first week in November, it bucks travel all times of the day, kind of coming through that creek bottom, going from one area to another. So I went in there and I sat, I, I climbed up and it was the only spot that actually have a, a fixed stand in. And it's actually one of the only spots that both my dad and I hunt together that we share a spot like we we don't share spots but this is a, a place that we've kind of rotated in in and out of hunting throughout the throughout the time frame and I I climbed up in that that stand and hunted I got my camera equipment set up so I I didn't I didn't even go over to the scrape I didn't check anything I just climbed right up the back of the tree got in there got my camera set up and I was just sitting there and just kind of thinking of like, you know, how much I've struggled throughout this season and just not been able to, to get on deer. And, and it was, it was tough. It was, it was really tough. And I, I know from everybody I was talking to, they were running into the same issues. And, and normally it's like, okay, I just, you know, waited out. The rut will continue. I, I prefer the second week in November better than the first week. Um, And even the third week now I've, I've come to, to like, but I I wasn't going to get the opportunity to hunt those in Pennsylvania. So I had to make the best out of the time that I had. And I know there were some people texting me or messaging me being like, Oh, I didn't, you know, I wasn't even go, I didn't even go out in the afternoon. It was too hot, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I I need to make the most of this time. And so I was sitting there and just kind of thinking about all that and just doing some grunting sequences, some bleeding sequences, and sitting there, and it's just, you know, it's, I don't know, 15 minutes before sunset, and I hit the grunt call and just did, burp, 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 and I hear crashing coming from down below me, so the thermals are actually pulling down that way at that point, because I was getting swirling winds uh, a little bit earlier and and. The afternoon, I guess it was. So about three o'clock, it was, it was a little bit higher winds than I like for that crick bottom. And it, they were just swirling like crazy. And that's the problem that you get with those crick bottoms. But I saw, I was looking at Spartan Forges weather and it was like a little before dark, it was just going to die down with the wind. And at that point, I knew the thermals would take over. So the thermals were kind of blowing towards the direction where that deer was coming from, but just off enough that it was going to be good, so that deer had it in his advantage. But I was just off enough near that crick that that I was good. You know, similar to what I kind of had happen uh, last year with the buck I shot. But anyways, so it's just before six o'clock in the the evening, and I hear this crashing coming, and he's coming and it's thick there. So it's going to be like where he's coming. He's going to come in front of me. It literally any no further than fifteen yards and as soon as i heard him coming and i saw a flash of antlers coming i had my camera turned on angled it down i'm like holy cow i'm gonna self-film this and i didn't even know exactly how big he was at that point but knew he was a buck i went to full draw he comes out and comes right into 12 yards and i'm settled in on him he stops on his own and I held it right down on his heart. And it was, I had my 25-yard pin at, at 12 yards there. held it down on his heart. Been practicing this shot after the mistake I made last year, missing at 14 yards. I was like, that wasn't happening again. Practiced some of those close shots out of the tree and shot, and it just looked perfect. Went in, you know, high shoulder, steep angle going down. The buck runs off, and he goes, he goes into the right of me, which is – some thick hemlock, and he's out of sight in a matter of 10 yards, you know, and, and I hear him stop. I don't hear a crash, but I start hearing some coughing, just, and I'm like, oh man, that's lung. Like, you know, he's, he's dying, but I heard coughing, and coughing, and coughing, and then nothing. And then about, I don't know, six, seven minutes goes by. It might only been a couple minutes, but it felt like that. And then I hear, some, what sounded like a buck making a scrape. And I was like, Oh, I said, did another buck come in? And, you know, I'm, so I'm just kind of sitting there frozen. And then I don't hear anything. And I'm like, I think that was him dying. Like, I think he fallen down, kicking up the leaves. And I just, I just sat there and I just sat there for almost an hour. I texted my dad and Mason through my Garmin in reach because I didn't have any cell service there. I texted them and said, Hey, I just hit a good buck. I think that I think that he's, I said, I think he's down, but I, I don't want to say that until I confirm. I said, I'm not even going to look. I said, I'm going to sneak down from this tree and I'm going to go out to the truck meet you guys because uh, they offered to come in and help. And then I'll come back in and look. Well, I climbed down, I grabbed my arrow and it's just coated in blood and the iron will wide just like just crushed it through them and i had a nocturnal that actually worked this time that was lit up and so everything looked good have you ever wanted to have levi morgan andy may johnny stewart and others available at all times well you can with cyber scout from spartan forge cyber scout is like the chat gpt for outdoors men and women you can ask it any questions related to bow building scouting hunting survival and a whole lot more I think you'll be impressed with how it responds. CyberScout is currently out now for a select group of early beta testers and will be available to the rest of you really soon. The entire app is a complete tool for planning your hunt with incredible aerial imagery, mapping, journaling, deer prediction, and some of the most accurate and detailed weather data. Use the code EASTMEETSWEST to save 20%. And if you're still on the fence, give the 14-day free trial a chance at spartanforge.ai. CVA has been America's number one selling muzzleloader brand for over a decade. Hunting with a muzzleloader opens up a ton of hunting opportunities across the U.S. And I've been using the Acura series. But they don't only make badass muzzleloaders. Their line of centerfire rifles are great quality and not terrible on the wallet. The Cascade Short Barrel is ideal for tight quarters, deer drives, and quick shots in the big woods. You can check out their line of muzzleloaders, rifles, and accessories for every season and every range at bpioutdoors.com slash CVA. If you use the code EASTMEETSWEST10, you'll get 10% off of all CVA products, which includes rifles, muzzleloaders, and accessories. (coughs) I went to review the footage because I was like, this will tell me a lot, and... I had my camera angled just a little bit too high. And all I got is the tips of his antlers, me drawing back and shooting, but not the buck in frame. So I screwed that up, but it's a start. It's better than me not filming it at all. Like last year. So don't give me too much grief there. I, uh, I, I tried on it, but, uh, self filming's hard and I, I hate it, <laughs> but it, it, uh, ended up but anyway, so I, I get down and check the arrow there and I back out. I'm going out to the truck and I just get underneath my tree and I'm like, I just want to look just real quick. I just walked like 10 yards and looked down over the bank and I could, I could see the buck laying there right away. So I ran up and checked it out and it was just which I knew when he came in he was this big 8 point and he was a big mature 8 point so I was super excited and he ended up being um he's at least a 4-year-old uh, potentially a 5-year-old I I don't know if I'm going to send the teeth out or not but uh beautiful deer just what you could want for a Pennsylvania mountain buck I haven't even I haven't scored him yet um I'm assuming somewhere in the 130s uh just incredible buck. And, uh, so I went out and I, I didn't even text those guys. I just went out, and met him at the truck and, and my brother was there. So my brother, Kurt was in town to hang out at camp, uh, for a little bit. And, uh, he, he came in from Montana. So he was got to be there to come in. So Mason, my dad and Kurt, and they came in after they got done hunting and, and and I told him everything and walked down and everybody was just super excited uh, it wasn't really that far. Uh, it wasn't really that far of a walk into this spot. It's kind of a, uh, a, a terrible drag. Uh, I shouldn't say terror. It wasn't terrible as far as far, but it was steep. Uh, cause it was up to get back up to the truck cause you parked on top and had to go down in this bottom, but, um, ended up deciding to drag them out and, uh, got some photos, but had to move kind of quick with them because it was, it was warm. So basically gutted them, only got a few photos and stuff of them, gutted them out, and then uh, got them up to the truck, threw them on top of the Diamondback, uh, which I don't recommend uh, doing that. So I I got that Diamondback truck cover and I love it. Uh, But it's funny, I was talking to Andy who works for Diamondback and he's like, please don't, don't throw deer on top. He's like, people always do that and send in the photos. He's like, it's really hard to throw a deer on top of the truck bed cover just because of how high it is. But my truck bed was full with a bunch of other crap that I had and hunting equipment. So I was like, I'm going to throw it up on top. And we didn't. And uh, took that back to camp. And everyone came into camp that night and and was around and enjoying it. And and at that point, there'd only been a couple of us in the family that had shot a buck. It was you know off to a slow start. Um, so it was it was really exciting. It was nice. Got to, um, people come and look at it for a little bit, but you know, after about an hour of that, I hung it up and started skinning it while people were hanging out and talking, just wanted to get the hide off of it to cool it down, uh, make sure the meat was good. So I did that and Kurt stayed there with me later, at, later in the night there and helped me finish skinning it and just kind of hanging out. It was such a good time and basically I had to come come home and I didn't have time to cut up the meat. So I wrapped it up and froze it in the quarters. And I'm actually going to cut it up now that I'm back home. And uh, I have some thawing in my garage right now to be able to start cutting it. That's not my preferred method for doing it. But with traveling, that was my only way that I could that I could do it uh, without taking it to a processor. And, uh, yeah, so that was, that was kind of the story of, of my Pennsylvania buck. And I just, it was, it was such a bittersweet thing and, and an example of how things can change so fast, you know, that my hunting season was not very good up until that point. I was struggling, I was struggling to find sign, but it's like, I know that if I just keep trying and you keep putting in the time and the effort you'll you'll eventually make it work and and that that was that was just a another testament of that and as the season went on i think every single i think every one of my family that comes to our deer camp and stuff all ended up tagging out in archery season but most of them were later um i think around like the like the 11th through the 14th 15th was some hot dates there as we got some colder weather. Um, I, I, am going to get Mason on again to tell the story about his buck. Cause Mason has one of the most incredible stories once again, where he shoots his number one target buck that, that he was hunting. And I'm not going to give too much of the story, but Mason's, so Mason has targeted four bucks in the last five years, over 140 inches on public land in Pennsylvania and killed them that's just unheard of. And, uh, and there's just a twist to his story. That's, that's incredible, but he shot a big 145 inch 10 point that he has history with and sheds and just awesome. So I was so excited for him. My dad shot a great eight point, my two mile, or I guess, yeah, two of my uncles shot great eight points. One of my other uncles shot a nice 10 point And it was just like everybody was, was pulling through and having it, uh, having ended up having a great season when it was off to a bad start. It was just like, I, I another thing I, I talked to a lot of guys that had kind of just given up towards the end of it, even like the last weekend deciding to go bird hunting or go do this or not, not hunt. Cause they were just kind of burned out. And it's like, that's fine. Like everyone's got their own goals, but man, that's, it's, it's not always going to be easy and it's, it's, it's going to take time to, to make it happen. And I think this year with the unfortunate weather was a, a really a testament of that. Um, so yeah, that was, uh, that was my Pennsylvania hunt and, uh, there's a lot of, lot of lessons learned there. Um, historical data. I love it. I, I use that huge in, in my role in things. And I guess it did play a little bit of a role of knowing this, this scrape, you know, is every year there, this community scrape. But, uh, at the same time, you know, some of my other historical information from the last couple of years did not pan out. And that's where you have to like, kind of balance this. What, what is your gut telling you, which that takes a lot of experience. That's going to take you a while to, to kind of understand that knowing when to move and when to stay and put your time into a spot. And, and uh, yeah, that was, those are some of the lessons learned I pulled from that, but I was super pumped, make a good shot. Everything worked out there. All right. Now let's fast forward. Went to Alberta, came back home. I was like, all right, I'm going to turn and burn. I got a day to edit podcasts and get everything ready and, Head down to West Virginia, and I was gonna have. I had five days slotted. I would love to be able to put a weekend, but I had five days slotted to be able to go down there. I was running late because I had um, an article due and a podcast and some other things that that didn't get done in the time frame that I had allotted for myself and getting all my gear ready. And so I was waiting till that one morning to. I wanted to leave at like three in the morning, and it ended up being like nine o'clock in the morning. I'm getting ready to leave. I walked down to my basement to get my last stuff to throw in my truck, and there's just water pouring from my ceiling, completely pouring. So I went and I shut off my pump and and shut off my main water line and took a little bit to be able to figure it out, but it ended up being my hot water tank, which in my house was upstairs, kind of like in a closet, had rotted out on the bottom and just leaked all over, ran across the floors upstairs. Down into the basement through the insulation just created a complete mess and luckily uh, I was able to get some help well with me trying to leave there I was able to, to call my dad who since he just killed his buck was was not hunting and was able to to come help me out and got a new hot water tank put that in installed it in the basement instead of being upstairs so and if it does ever have a problem again don't have to worry about it leaking all through the floors Um, but it was just an absolute mess. It ended up not causing as much damage as I originally thought and didn't need the insurance company and everything. A little more information than you probably care to hear, but it ended up setting me back a whole day to leave for West Virginia. But this is where I made a mistake was I was like, okay, I got this done. I'm going to try to leave in the middle of the night. I tried taking a nap at like seven o'clock at night and I just couldn't. So I just laid there until about 11 and I was like, I'm going to drive all through the night to go down to West Virginia so I can be there to glass by first light. While I'm driving down, I'm just wore out. I'm so tired from the whole day and then not sleeping. And, and I, apparently I can't do that like I used to. And I got down to probably about an hour away from where I was going and I just couldn't go any longer. And I was starting to feel wore down and, and I pulled over in a Walmart parking lot and took a nap, woke up, got some Chick-fil-A and, uh, ended up getting into my hunting spot by like 10 in the morning. So not first light whatsoever. Um, and i uh, taken my, I had my seek outside courthouse, my wall tent. I set that up. Uh, I wasn't going to be able to meet up with Josh from the untamed on this trip. He had some other obligations. So it's just going to be me solo hunting, um, for this trip. And so I want to talk a little bit about this place in, in West Virginia, where, where I'm hunting at, this will kind of set the stage for the rest of this story. So, you know, I get down there And I'm not hunting public ground down there. So I'm hunting coal mine country that, that we have leased out essentially. So Josh uh, worked in the coal coal industry for a while and ended up getting uh, this property to be able to basically get like 25 guys together and lease it and to be able to hunt and we can drive through the, the coal mines and stuff. So it's a little bit easier for access, which is great. Um, but also you can kind of manage, you know, manage it for, for bigger deer and, you know, pass on deer that you would normally, you know, be stupid to pass on, um, on some public areas. So, so I wanted to set the stage for that a little bit. Um, now just because it's private doesn't mean there's not any pressure. doesn't mean it's any easier to hunt with the terrain and everything, but I, I wanted to, to make sure that was clear. But so when I uh so once I got all that stuff set up, I was able to set up my wall tent up on this, this one ridge top, which wasn't really the smartest thing. I mean I normally wouldn't do that out west because when you set up a tent on top of a a ridge, you're you're susceptible to wind, even though that looks great. It looks cool in photos, but, uh, it's not great for wind. And I was like, well, it's West Virginia. How bad can it be? Well, it got some really bad winds and that wasn't great, but the weather was going to be, was going to be awesome as far as hunting goes. Um, but as I started, as I got in there and, started hunting. I I was, I was just run down from not really sleeping and everything. I just didn't feel on like the first day I did some glassing and I went and checked some cameras that I put out back in October. If you remember from the the recap that I did back in October on the podcast, went down there, put some cameras in places. Well, my cameras in the places that I put them in, uh, three out of the four cameras were great like they did really well um they had some some good bucks on them Uh, they, they were, yeah, they had some good bucks on them. Some of them in October and places that had some acorns nearby that right after I'd left there that had come in in daylight. So that was good information to learn, but the rut funnel spots were just starting to heat up. Like you could see there was some, some deer coming through there. And this one spot, if you watch the untamed did a video on it and I'll probably release some version of it at some point, but I had found uh, a topography, I guess a, topog- a topo hub. So there were three different ridges that met at one point. Okay, so there's one area where all these ridges combined and it was super thick on that top from where they reclaimed the coal mines and there's autumn olive bushes that were all through there and just this trail came through and this giant scrape that I found under these bushes and I just had a, uh, an Exodus Lift 2 camera on that scrape and I was like, the deer have to come through there. These side hills are so steep and so thick. They're not going to want to walk just on those hills for no reason. I, I just think that this is going to be a great funnel. I'm like, there's no spot to sit in a tree. I was just going to basically tuck up into one of those autumnal bushes on a chair and sit there. And... That was gonna be my plan, and I just couldn't get myself to want to sit like I've been doing in Pennsylvania and everywhere else, in a, in a tree or just sitting somewhere for a while. I wanted to spot and stalk like I did last year, which ended up kind of coming to bite me in the ass. I should have, you know, went with my intuition there if I really wanted to, to kill a deer versus just having fun with it. So there's kind of that that uh, balance there, of because three out of the four days I was there because you know I got a day cut short three out of the four days a shooter buck came through that funnel in daylight so after i checked the camera there's three out of four days shooter buck came through there at the end of the trip when i checked it i was like okay yeah i learned i learned my lesson there um but i was heading in there the one day to hunt actually and so after the first day in glassing i wasn't really seeing much, um, and. I, I went down in the bottom of this valley field the next morning to sit and glass, but it'd be in a position where I could actually make a move. Cause where I was glassing from was like a mile away. And it, by the time I'd see a deer and it was growing up so thick, I wouldn't be able to really put a stock on them, especially by myself with no spotter there to help it would basically help me guide me in. And I had, so I got closer and I saw a coyote and a doe and that was it. And I was like, all right, well, I'm going to go sit that funnel. So I, I'd still hunted, I guess, late morning there. I went out this ridge, dropped a camera on a side hill, like an old logging road. That was just awesome. There was a big draw coming up. I found an old uh, tree stand that was in there. And then I was like, all right, I'm heading back up to that, that funnel. So I drove back up um, to the top and I parked my truck where I needed to go. And I still had probably about a, I don't know, a mile little over a mile walk through some just thick, nasty stuff. to get back up to this funnel and a truck pulls up behind me and there's two guys that get out of it. And one of them is a guy I met up there last year, Bucky, um, actually took photos of him with a giant buck that he shot last year. And the other one was Kirk price, uh, that, that used to be with the untamed and has his own channel now. Um, so Kirk was there and so talking to those guys. I was like, what are you guys doing? like well we're going in here to track a deer and I was like oh no way and I was like I was just heading in your hunt I said let me give you a hand and and I was like all right I'll instead of the evening going in and hunting I'll help these guys out and and I asked Bucky I said what's the deer look like because he knew he knew that he hit it through the guts and he was like he goes it's a it's a big 10 point with a kicker and that was the buck that, that I had on my camera up there that I was, that I was going in to hunt. And this was like an, this was just an old deer, just gnarly old deer. And I didn't know until after talking to these guys that, because this is really my first year hunting in there and running cameras and stuff. And that they have a lot of historical knowledge on this deer. The deer has been around for, he's probably seven or eight years old at least. And uh, so we go up and start tracking them and good blood the whole way down and end up finding this deer well i'm shooting a new bow this year and i am pumped after playing around with the buddy's hoyt rx8 the smile on my face made the decision for me the first thing i noticed with the new hoyts were their extremely smooth draw cycles and the ability to adjust the back wall to make it rock solid like i prefer i outfitted my own rx8 with the inline accessories That made installation extremely easy and balanced out the bow. My favorite accessory so far is a simple one. It's the Sticks 2.0 adjustable legs to make your bow like a tripod, but it doesn't interfere with any part of the bow or the limbs or anything like that. In addition, the integrated kickstand within the HBX Exact Cams protect your string from excess wear when you put your cam into the dirt. Ground hunting or spot and stalk just got easier. If you want to experience what I'm talking about, head to your nearest Hoyt dealer and take a test drive yourself. You can learn more at Hoyt.com. The Mobile Hunters Expo is a consumer-based hunting show unlike any other. It provides an interactive learning experience where you can try all things mobile hunting and learn from the best in the business. Come experience an unbiased, community-based environment where you can improve your hunting skills and find the right equipment for your needs. I'll be speaking at the Nor'easter show in Mannheim, Pennsylvania at Spooky Nook Sports from August 9th to 11th, 2024. So come check it out or either of the other shows in uh, Michigan and Georgia. You can purchase tickets online at the MobileHuntersexpo.com or grab tickets at the door. I'll see you there. Uh, and he died right above where I was sitting in the morning. And uh, so anyways, yeah, that... He, shot this just absolute beautiful, beautiful buck. He was even bigger in person than I would have thought from the trail camera photos. I mean, just heavy antler, dark chocolate rack, beautiful spot. And I, uh, so, you know, helped him get it out there. And that was kind of, that was dark by that point at the end of the night. And so I never went into that, that funnel to go sit, you know, let's keep kind of coming back to that. And, um, so I ended up that night going down to Bucky's house and getting a look at, he wanted to show me some of his mounts he had on the wall. And Man, this, this guy's killed some just beautiful deer down in Southern West Virginia and just getting to hear the stories of it. I loved it. I'm going to have to get, I, I'm going to have to get him on the podcast to talk about some of these stories. Cause it's just awesome. And, and just fanatic with shed hunting and loving, you know, chasing these deer and, And, uh, so next morning I get up and going in again, I'm just not feeling, you know, I'm still not feeling right. Like I'm not feeling rested and just feeling run down and I'm just in a fog and, and I ended up going up to sit, not the exact funnel that I was telling you about, but another spot that I had on that same Ridge system. And I went up and I, I got up in there and I had, uh, four point come in and chase a doe right to me. I mean, like, right, right. I don't know, five feet from me and the bucks looking at me in the eyes and grunting at me. <laughs> and, uh, it was, it was such a cool, such a cool experience. He's chasing her around all around me. I'm like, it's on, uh, my cameras right there. It had a big eight point on it. Um, probably 140 inch eight point on it earlier that before I got in there, he went through and I'm like, geez, like, this is awesome. It's going to be on. And I ended up seeing some more does, uh, no more bucks the rest of that day. I sat there, um, all the way until, until dark basically. And it was till dark. Uh, and then trying to find your way out of some of these spots. This is what I've learned too down there is trying to find your way out in the dark or your way in, in the dark, in some of that thick, country with just like gnarly briars and and autumn all all bushes it is tough it doesn't matter if you're using sport and forge with the track or anything you're off by like three feet sometimes you're just into a wall of stuff that you can't get out of so that was a that was a struggle um so anyways i get out that night nothing and the next morning i was just feeling really down i'm like okay i'm definitely sick at this point like i i was def- just 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 wore out. Um, And I ended up going to a different part of the property where there was a younger valley fill, which is basically where they had reclaimed the coal mines and they, for erosion control, they push all this stuff down in these valleys and it creates these benches and these grasses. The deer are out feeding in it, uh, creates a rut zone. So I went there and I glassed and I found some good bucks. I found a nice 130 inch eight point. And then what I, what I saw was a really nice, I thought he was a nine point at first ended up being a 10 point. Uh, and he's bumping does all around. I'm getting to watch this. It's so cool. And I had stopped filming at this point when I was sick. I just didn't feel like self-filming. I did get some video footage of all these deer out there, but I, it's not going to make for much of a video, if anything, from the West Virginia side of it. So I just i i couldn't couldn't get myself to do it with feeling that just crappy and and uh, it, it was I don't know probably eighteen degrees that morning and these bucks were running everywhere and but I couldn't I couldn't get on this buck because he kept moving so much to put a stock on him. But finally went over to this corner. So I went the whole way around. I So this is, so I jumped in my quiet cat actually and ran the whole way around the, the back of the basin stopped and then worked my way down this rock drainage. And I counted, he was seven. Yeah. He was seven levels down below me, which ended up being. 800 feet of elevation drop. So that's how far down he was in the steep country. I went down this rock drainage, got up and I couldn't get out of it because it was so thick with these briars. Eventually had to just kind of bust through it. And I get out and I spot the buck. I spot two bucks with this doe, um, about a hundred yards out, but I couldn't get to him uh, with how open it was in that spot. But then they ended up pushing the, the doe back over to the other tree line, back to where I was glassing from. So I sat there for a while and they weren't coming back out and they were kind of in there for the day. So I snuck my way out of there, tr- trying not to spook any of the other does that were out in this valley fill. And, and then, so I, got, I repositioned myself to glass for the evening and then didn't see that 10 point again, saw the eight point again, but wasn't, wasn't going to chase after him. Beautiful buck would have shot him any day in Pennsylvania, uh, just, he he was a younger deer and and like i said going back to this this idea of of we kind of having the ability to somewhat manage the deer there when it's bow hunting only and you know with the the property and everybody all of us on the same page of hunting older deer it uh it made sense for us, you know, for me to to let that deer go and pass it again. For me, I would have been totally one hundred and ten percent happy with it. But I understand the the vision of wanting to create some exceptional deer and and being able to see it, and it's got the potential there. So I'm I'm all for doing that, and I don't need to to necessarily put an arrow through one for it to be a to be a great trip and. And uh so it was cool to get to watch him got some video of him bumping does and lip curling and doing all this stuff. And uh so that was the end of that day. Next day I go back in there again in the morning, which this is my last morning. This is my last morning there. I go in and glass and I bought that 10 point again. And I'm like, I'm looking at him, I'm like, I think he's only, you know, he's only a four-year-old. And I, again it's hard for me to say that, but I was like, I think he's only a four-year-old, but he's got a big rack. He's in the 140s. And I watched him go at it with a different eight point full on fighting. I have a video on my Instagram, just boom, just smashing into each other, just going at it. And then he goes and locks down with his doe. So I go around and I put a stock on him. I get within 60 yards of him, and I'm looking at him through the binos and I'm like, Oh, I'd be super pumped to shoot this deer, but he's not, he's, he has potential to blow up into an absolute giant. Uh, so I just, sat there and watched him at about 60 yards away. He was, you know, kept this doe, kept trying to hide in this bush and he's kind of playing around with her there. I mean, it would have been no problem to move in into, I say no problem, anything could happen, but I, I think I could have got into bow range of them there, Um, you know, within 40 yards of them, no problem to be able to get a shot. And as I was putting that stock on, I walked past two other bucks, younger bucks that were pushing around does I just hit the rut perfect. Like it's not that this area is, is that incredible. I mean, it is really special, but I hit it right. And so I got to watch him do that. And I watched him just kind of, you know, lock down with that doe and I ended up backing out, going, packing up camp and heading out. So that was, that was my trip. I did have some, some bucks that uh, on camera that i definitely would shoot, uh, some older deer that really wouldn't score any better than what he was, but some older deer that some big eight points that, that I was, uh, had my eye on and, and I may even get back down in December for a couple days. The odds of that happening are probably pretty slim, but, um, I learned a lot and I'm, I'm going to go down in February and, and scout and, and do more. I'm just, I'm just, fascinated by that country and and being able to do the ground hunting the spot and stock if i want to sit in my saddle i can like there's so many different parts to this where in this appalachian mountain range and, and honestly i know you know well josh and them have hunted the public a lot too like there's just as great of opportunities that that they have there for these types of this type of hunting and I'm not trying to sit there and say everyone should go to West Virginia that's not what I'm saying it's really really difficult steep terrain hunting not easy whatsoever but for those that like that kind of stuff and like chasing around with a bow it's it's fun and uh, I'm I'm excited to, to to keep learning with it Uh, got a long ways to go, but man, that was, it's been an incredible season. I really don't, if if I don't go back to West Virginia, I don't think I'll be hunting anywhere else with a buck tag. I got some, some doe tags here in PA. I want to get some more meat for the freezer. So probably go out, maybe try to get one with a rifle here and then save a tag for late, uh, muzzleloader. I want to try to take my flintlock out or maybe my bow again, um, and, and go for that. But, uh, I still got some meat to cut up. I got some scouting to do for Lee and Drew coming in. Uh, it's just it's been a, it's been an awesome season, but I really hope that uh, that this information has helped you. But but before I let you go, there was I said at the beginning I was gonna bring it back to this deer that I had hunted back in Pennsylvania for the last three years. Well, two days ago, I guess it was one day ago uh, as I'm recording this, but on Sunday I get a picture of him dead in the back of someone's truck he got killed with a rifle which uh i'm happy for i don't know the guy that shot it i didn't even see him in the photos i'm happy for him that he got it but very disappointed it feels like i was joking around saying it feels like i lost a family member it's very dramatic to say that but i've put so much time into trying to figure out this deer and just like thinking about him all the time and and um i guess he ended up scoring 168 inches as just this clean 10 point had him a full draw there before i've this year he ended up showing up on my cameras while i was in west virginia the last week archery season there and we had the cold that cold spell he was there in daylight and i had photos of him a couple days on on one of my cell cameras i had pictures of him two days before he got shot at night, uh, in a, in a logging cut, but I'm not going to share any photos of the deer dead because obviously that, uh, that won't help me as far as anybody knows the guy and knows where he got it at with some of my hunting spots. So I'm not going to do that. I will probably share some trail camera photos at some point or at least sprinkle them in and you can kind of use your context clues to figure out if it's him or not. But, uh, cause there's so much I learned from that deer. Over hunting him for the last three years I means so, so much. And I actually told my dad, I said, if there's, if I was going to kill that deer, I'd have to be hunting October, or November 14th through the 16th and sit all day in these spots. And he ended up coming in November 14th right at first light in one of those spots that he did the year before, um, only he came in at like two o'clock in the afternoon the the year before, but he ended up recirculating back to that area where I wasn't finding any deer. Uh, it was just later. Um, so nonetheless, it was, uh, yeah, it's, it's an opportunity to, to find something else and, and start a new chapter and a new story with a different deer. But anyways, I hope that this podcast helped you out or maybe gave you some sort of entertainment or something to learn from. But uh, I don't love doing these solo episodes because I feel like I ramble a lot. But at the same time, it's it's an opportunity for me to kind of just say everything that's on, on my chest and hopefully be able to... to to help you out if you were going through any of these similar situations or whatever. But, um, nonetheless, if you still have a tag in your pocket, good luck, keep grinding. And, uh, yeah, we will talk to you next week.